Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Well, there are uh, 28 days until Christmas. Are you ready? You don't have to be, right? Because you can order Amazon and get it the next day. You know, as a, as a church, if these are your first time with us in this season, uh, we shift gears a bit during this time. Uh, in the midst of all the, the cultural elements of Christmas, uh, we want to make sure that the actual point of Christmas isn't lost. And so one of the ways we do this as a church is by observing what's traditionally called Advent. Advent is Latin for coming or arrival. Aaron talked about this earlier. And so the four weeks of Christmas have traditionally been set aside, uh, the four weeks before Christmas, been set aside since I think as far back as the 6th century. And they've been set aside as a time to remember. A time to remember the first Advent, which is Jesus' arrival, and we'll be talking about that and revisiting that story in the weeks ahead. But there's a couple other Advents as well. There's this second Advent, Jesus' arrival into our lives personally, when Jesus comes to us. And then there's an Advent that is still to come, the return of Jesus. And so we have confidence that Jesus is going to return because we know that he came the first time after promising to do that. Um, My wife and I, we have four kiddos, and I remember uh, 15 years ago, our oldest was born, and we were excited now to to celebrate Christmas and to begin our own Christmas traditions. And we had um, grandparents and aunts and uncles. I come from a big family, and they were all excited. Uh, My side of the family, it was the first grandkid, the first nephew. And those first couple of Christmases were a lot of fun, Um, But there was also a lot of presents. Our oldest son, Jude, was very spoiled. And I remember one Christmas in particular, we had the stocking that was full of stuff. We had the tree that just had so many presents under it for one kid. And my, my oldest son, Jude, he pulled a little car out of the stocking, and he was stoked. And he immediately just started playing with that car and driving it all over the place. And we gave him 10 minutes and 15 minutes. And then we start looking at the tree. We're like, if the whole day goes like this, we're going to be here till next Christmas. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it, 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 it dawned on us. Like, we, ne- we feel this responsibility, this pressure now to get him through these presents when he would have been happy with one. And so we began to, to talk about, do we want this Christmas and other Christmases to be all about that, all about the gifts? And so Jessica and I, we grew up in a church that didn't traditionally uh, say the word Advent, let alone kind of uh, develop any kind of rhythms around the Christmas season. And so we began to, to examine as a family, what would that look like? And then the church that we were part of at that time, it had their tradition of Advent, and we began to to realize, wow, what a, what a beautiful way to keep Christ the main thing during the season. To slow down, to have times as a family throughout the week to read the stories together. And so we want to encourage you, um, if no matter how you celebrate, it's never too late to, to start new traditions. And to make sure that Christ is the center of the celebration. So we're going to be doing this as a church. 
Um, but there's also resources on our website. If you, just, if you go to it, you'll see a, a tab that says Advent. Uh, for you as an individual, if you're single, for you as a couple, if you, you have kids out of the house, or if you have a bunch of kids, there's some good resources on there. And so we encourage you to develop some rhythms during this season to keep Christ the center. Um, this morning, we're going to start a new theme. Um, the, the, the theme of our Advent season is the theme of joy. And I lost my clicker. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Owen. What, what would we do without technology? Um, so this is our theme this morning, joy. Joy to the world. Did, did you know that one of the most famous Christmas songs that we sing was not actually written with Christmas in mind? Joy to the world. In fact, it wasn't even written as a song originally. Joy to the World was written by Isaac Watts, a very famous hymn writer in the 1700s. And Isaac Watts wrote this poem as he was reflecting on God's word. And it wasn't until a Boston music teacher set it to music in 1836. And you guessed it, he released it around Christmas time. And so it has forever been associated with the Christmas season. And that's what we know today, and we sing today still. So this is going to be our theme this Advent. For the next four weeks, we're going to be focusing on the theme of joy. And what does that mean from a biblical standpoint? What does it mean to have joy in our own lives? And for those of you that are wrestling with finding it, uh, my hope is that you will rediscover joy in this season. The reason joy is important is it is a significant marker of the Christian life. The Psalms speak of joy often as something that comes after hardship and trials and as something that is given, that joy is a gift from God. Almost every time worship of God happens in Scripture, it is accompanied with Joy, joy. In the Gospels, we see that joy is the primary response to Jesus' arrival. When the shepherds heard it, when Mary was told she was going to have the baby, when the Magi from the east saw the star, all of them responded to the coming of Jesus with joy. And in the early church, we see joy as evidence of the Holy Spirit on his people. And oftentimes, this joy is present even in hardship. So maybe as you hear these examples, you're already wondering something about joy. What is the difference between joy and happiness? What's the difference between joy and happiness? I did a little bit of research, uh, very intense Google searching, um, and I I found a few things that culture says about happiness. So let's start there. Happiness, according to culture, is uh, a new car. Uh, my, my favorite out-of-touch um, advertisements during the Christmas season are the ones where the husband comes out in the driveway and there's two cars parked with big bows and they both, he bought them each a brand new you know, $50,000 car. That resonates with so many of us, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> So culture says happiness is a new car. Culture says uh, happiness is lots of money. Culture says happiness is when the Seahawks win the Super Bowl. 
I don't know if they're going to be happy this year. <laughs> what about science? Science has something to say, right? Uh, well, science says that happiness is genetic. You're either predisposed to being happy or you're not. Sorry. Um, science says that happiness, though, can be a learnable skill, something you can develop over time. Fundamentally, happiness is electrical activity in the left front part of your brain. <laughs> Do you feel it right now? <laughs> Philosophers have wrestled with the, the idea of happiness over the years. Um, happiness, according to Aristotle, is the meaning and the purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence is happiness. Gandhi says, happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. Whew, that's tough. That might be why I'm not very happy sometimes. Albert Schweitzer says, happiness is nothing, nothing more than good health and a bad memory. <laughs> I can get behind that one. <laughs> and then the famous novelist Jane Austen says, a large income is the best recipe for happiness I ever heard of. So our, our joy and our happiness are connected in the deepest ways to how we live out our faith and our life. And while joy and happiness are interconnected, the Bible almost always focuses on the deeper of the two, joy. Um, the Greek word, whenever you see joy in Scripture is, in the New Testament, is the, the word kara. Kara is described by the ancient Greeks as the culmination of being, the good mood of the soul. You hear the depth that's there with kara? Care is something that Scripture tells us is truly only found in God. A great example of how joy is different than happiness is found in Hebrews chapter 12, describing Jesus. Read this with me. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's read that last line again. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Right there, we automatically see there is something different between joy and happiness. How could Jesus have joy knowing what he was about to experience? One of the greatest misunderstandings in modern Christian culture is that we are supposed to be happy all the time. And that's just not true. Uh, happiness and joy come from different places. And I like this definition of the difference between joy and happiness. We have happiness because of our circumstances. But we can have joy despite them. See, when Jesus was getting ready to endure the cross, his circumstances, there was nothing happy about those. But he had joy despite the circumstances because he was focused on what that suffering was going to produce in the end. Salvation for humanity, reconciliation between God and man. And that is a reason for Jesus to have joy in those moments. So we can have happiness or we have happiness because of our circumstances, but we can have joy despite them. You see, when, when each of us have received a revelation of the grace of God, 
the grace that he has given to us, then the power of that grace radically changes the outlook of our lives. And this is what inspired Isaac Watts to write Joy to the World. He was meditating on the power of God in Psalm 98. And out of that, he wrote what is now the most famous Christmas song. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 98. Psalm 98. If you're not familiar uh, with Scripture, you can pretty much just open the Bible in the middle and stick your finger down. You'll be in the Psalms. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the pews in front of you. And we'd love for you to take one with you. Psalm 98. Let's look at the inspiration for joy to the world. And really, the end of Psalm 96 as well is connected to this. Psalm 98 says this. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So the the psalmist is is pointing us both and reminding us of, of two things. Uh, He's pointing us to something, and he's reminding us of something. And both things are the same. What he's reminding us of is that God's heart for all of creation is that it would be saved. Saved from the sin and the brokenness that is so prevalent in the world. And so Psalm 98 opens up, sing a new song. Be reminded of the salvation of our God. And so what is the response to this understanding that this is God's heart? Well, the response is, anybody? Joy. It says, verse 4, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's a party. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. What a beautiful description of the saving grace of God and the response of all of creation to this salvation. But do you notice something? Do you notice something? There is a shout of joy before this comes to pass. Do you notice that there is still a coming to pass that hasn't happened yet, has not passed? Look at this. He says, he will. He will one day do this. And so Psalm 98 points us forward to Jesus and his arrival, and then it points us ultimately toward Jesus' return and the full culmination of this promise. He will do these things. So biblical God-given joy moves us from conditional happiness to positional joy. Conditional happiness means we're happy when everything is going well. We're happy when everything is going well. 
Positional joy, though, means that we can rejoice in all things because we understand the greatness of God. That he is sovereign, that means he is in charge over all things. And while we will and do experience sorrow, it is just a blip in the story of our lives compared to the joy we'll experience for eternity. I mentioned last week my father-in-law recently passed away. And we are experiencing deep sorrow. The circumstances are not what we want them to be. But we can still find joy right now because we know that he is with God. We know that he places faith with God. And so deep within us, through the sorrow and through the grief, we still have the presence of God's joy in our lives. Is joy hard to find for you? Does joy feel out of reach? When we're oppressed or depressed, we tend to focus on our feelings and our circumstances, and we either fall further into those feelings and circumstances, or we try and figure out a way to manufacture new feelings. And so we become distracted by things like Netflix or video games to, to kind of numb the, the feelings, to, to distract our minds from what's going on. Or we turn to to actual chemicals to do that as well, whether it be drugs or alcohol or medication. We do whatever we can to change our feelings because the circumstances are so difficult. But these things ultimately don't change anything. They don't work because true joy can't be generated by those things. True joy doesn't come from things that we do But instead, it comes from what God has already done and what he is continuing to do. True joy is a work of the Spirit of God. And so the psalmist says to sing a new song. Sing a new song. This is a response to the favor of God that is still present in our lives and a favor that reflects his saving power. Sing a new song. If you were with us a few weeks ago, uh, Jane, who was singing up here with us this morning, part of our worship team, she shared a song. She shared a song as a part of her testimony, of her story of coming to faith in Christ and how the Lord has seen her and loved her and restored her. Jane sang in her life a new song. She sang a song literally for us, but the Lord also did something new in her. When Jane sang that song, she actually captured the essence of the Christmas story better than any decoration, tradition, or party. Because if you remember, 2,000 years ago, there was this engaged woman named Mary. And she was visited by God and told that she would be having a baby. And that this baby would be a part of the salvation plan for humanity. This young woman living under occupation... She was living a seemingly unnoticeable life, was now going to be carrying out an incredible part in the redemption of humanity. So how would Mary respond to God's grace in her life? She would respond just like Jane did with a song. She sings in Luke chapter 1, verse 47. 
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. In other words, he has seen me. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. This is the new song. This is the new song that God wants you to sing. He wants you to receive his grace, no matter your current state, no matter how inconsequential you think your life is, no matter how broken you feel that it is, God's grace in your life allows you to sing a new song, and it is a song of joy. So with four weeks left until the Christmas of 2021, there is a massive list of reasons not to be joyful right now. And they've been coming at us in waves, it feels like, from new variant names that sound like a transformer to to challenges with our finances, to all of the, the issues personally that we do with our lives. There is so many things that are trying to steal our joy in this time. But believe me when I say this, no matter what your circumstances are right now, I believe God has a new song for you to sing. And you can hear that and say, oh, I'm sitting in church. There's lots of people here. It's easy to say something generic like that. But God sees you and he knows you better than anybody else. He saw Mary in her lowly state, in her oppressed, living in an oppressed country, and he had a plan for her life. And he sees you today. He wants you to know him in that same way. He wants you to experience that grace. That's what Christmas is all about. It's only through the power of the Spirit that Jesus can give us something far richer than happiness, that he gives us a deep, abiding joy that fear and hardship are powerless to take. When the declaration of joy goes out to the world, it knocks on the hearts of everybody who hears it. And Isaac Watts wrote this in his famous song, Joy to the World. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. If you are ready to receive it this morning, God is ready to give it, to give you the best gift you'll ever receive, the gift of his love that produces joy that can never be taken. And so as we sing this last song, if you are ready to receive that gift, to, to make room in your heart for Jesus, then we want to pray for you. We would ask that you would come up during this last song so that we might do that. Aaron and Tiffany and, and Jessica, would you come up? I want to pray for us right now. Lord, this morning as we've looked at the, the story of your joy, present in the Psalms, present in the arrival of your son into this earth. I pray that this season joy would not be hard to find for us. And Lord, if we are feeling like we don't even know what joy is, like our hearts are numb and cold, we ask, Father, that you would do what only you can do, that you would break through the darkness, that you would give us a new heart, that we might make room for you in this Christmas season, that we might receive your gift of grace. 
And if you this morning are ready to do that during this last song, we would just invite you to come forward so that we might pray for you, that you might experience the joy, the joy that God gave to the world, but he wants to give to you too. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.